It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. We would like to acknowledge the Turbal and Yavara people as the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet, and we would like to pay respect to the elders past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome back to General Queries. I am your host Talia. I am joined in the studio today with the dulcet tones of my wonderful co-host Nita. Hello. Yay, we're back. We are back for round two of Stonewall. That means how are you? In what language? Irish. Oh, nice. As you can tell, Nita's Irish. I'm doing I'm doing good. Hola. I'm doing good actually. I'm doing really well. Um I'm kind of glad to be back. I think I'm finally starting to get into the the swing of all of these episodes and kind of like what the forms what the form is taking. So Jazz swing. Jazz yeah, I'm jazz jazz swing. Yes. Um I've been I, speaking of which, I've been listening to a lot of jazz covers lately. They're really good. They're very jazz good. covers and ska covers. I'm gonna Jonathan. I'm not gonna, I'm Jonathan not gonna lie. I just listen to jazz covers of video game soundtracks. That's yeah. You're so valid. Also, um, the na- not to plug the national, but the national's new album, "I Am Easy to Find," like that's been all I've listened to for the past two days. So nice. Yeah, it's it's good. So shall we? Uh, shall we jump into some Stonewall? Some Stonewall history. I am down for that. Okay, good. So um, last week we talked about. Let's do a flip. We yeah. A flip. We're jumping in. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do a flip. Um, so last week we talked about um, kind of the, the wider uh, socioeconomic, sociocultural context um, for like America. Uh, we talked about uh, the queer context um, for America. We talked about the language. Um, so today we're going to actually look at uh, Stonewall, the Stonewall Inn in Manhattan. So yes. Talia, what is the Stonewall Inn? I'm so glad you asked, Nita. Um, so the Stonewall Inn uh, is... Uh, an inn. It's it's a it's a bar um, situated uh, in Greenwich Village, uh, Manhattan, at fifty one and fifty three Christopher Street. Uh, it was named Stonewall uh, because of its thick stone walls. But an I'm interesting pissed. name, yeah, uh, and because the inn itself actually used to be horse stables back in the day. Nice, yeah. Um, so uh, it was the Greenwich Village is like a more liberal. Uh, region of America of of Manhattan, and I don't mean that in like the Australian American version of liberal. Yeah, the American version of liberal. So this was this was the the left leaning ish side, um, and the mafia around the town, um, and there was quite a, a high rate of homelessness there. Uh, so it was popular with uh, queer people. It was also popular with um, sex workers, male and female sex workers, and drag queens. Um, so sounds like a hell of a place. It was definitely a place. Um, it was Stonewall was considered the place that the not mainstream members of the community would go to. And by not mainstream, uh, I mean, they were 
yeah, they were homeless, they were lower socioeconomic, um, they were usually people of colour um, and they were usually trans and gender non-conforming people. All right then. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyone who wasn't a like a white cisgendered gay man um, and the majority of the people who visited the bar were kind of living in poverty. Um, I came across uh, like a couple of sources that – the we're talking about, you know, how it started off being marketed towards um, like white cis gay men. Um, and then it slowly, because like they stopped, um, like it took a lot for those people to get to the inn. Um, it slowly just became the, the place for non-mainstream members. There was some cultural drift. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. So it, it kind of, it, it went the way it went. Um, so, uh, at this point in time, we're talking, we're still talking late sixties. We're still talking, still talking 1969. Um, at this time, uh, it was not unusual for the mafia to be in partnership with gay establishments. So the mafia did indeed own Stonewall. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was, so, um, the Luciano family was the mafia family that owned Stonewall. All righty then. Uh, there you go. Um, the, the way it would work um, is they would often uh, either attain, obtain um, illegal licenses um, for the bars to sell liquor for the bar um, uh, because it was really hard for queer establishments to get a liquor license or alternatively they would pay off the police to kind of just avert their look eyes the and look the other way um, regarding the liquor licenses. Um, so this is exactly um, what happened um, with Stonewall. They skirted around the law by calling themselves a private club. Uh, and by calling themselves a private club, um, they were able to get away with selling alcohol because everyone who went there was considered members rather than patrons. Yes. So yeah, then they didn't have to buy like a wider liquor license. Um, and Everyone a pretty who, fair way to get around the law. Yeah, um, and they were the member, the members, the member patrons um, were given the benefit of not paying for their drinks. Um, however, uh, you did have to pay admission into the club, um, into the into the inn, um, which was between three and four dollars. And I think last time we did the math, that rounded off to about like $30 Australian 2000, like $30 2019 Australian. Um, so it's a fair bit. That's it's quite a bit of money is the thing. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, in, in return for paying your $30 Australian, um, you would get a voucher for two drinks. Um, yeah. They also, two drinks is not someone to sneeze at. I mean, for $30, you'd want them to be... I mean, $30, two drinks, and, you know, kind of like somewhat safe, safe area, area, you know? It's yeah. kind of like, it's a little bit of a yeah. thing. Like I think, like, I was having a conversation with Megan about it, and it wasn't, like, in my research, what's come up is the mafia wasn't so much pro-queer... As they were pro money. Yeah, as they were pro money. And I, that's kind of what happened here. Like everyone else is like, we don't want to talk to queer people. And the mafia was like, in that case, that's a market that nobody's looking at. Let's let's tap into that one. Uh, can you really expect the mafia not to jack the prices up though? Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like bottlenecking everything. So that like, you know, it just got to be it's like an that. an untapped market. Yeah. Um, uh, just to make sure that they didn't uh, let police in to the club 
uh, to, to the club, to the inn. I keep calling it a club. I mean, it's kind of a club. It's kind of a club. Um, but it's just called an inn. Yeah. Which um, sounds, you know, quaint and fancy. Yeah, quaint and fancy. Medieval. Um, yeah, that's true. There was like a guy playing like a, a liar in the corner. <laughs> little, uh, little brought his harp across town to accurately portray his bard. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> the D and D campaign. The D and D campaign. So in the sixties, everyone really enjoyed D and D. No, um, uh, yeah. So to make sure that um, they weren't accidentally letting uh, police officers in, um, there was a guest list, um, and there were guards at the front of the inn who monitored everyone who came in. Um, and to be let into the inn, you had to come with someone who could confirm that you weren't police. Um, you can't go it alone. You really can't go it alone. Um, and because they kept a list of, um, all of the names, um, there are quite a number of people like didn't actually use their real names. So uh, Elizabeth Taylor and Judy Garland, were apparently the top two most frequent visitors to the Stonewall Inn in the sixties. Um, yeah, because good on them. Yeah, I mean they're both they're both queer icons of the time, so I'm not surprised. Um, but I also really like the fact that people were like, "I'm not using my real name. My name is actually Elizabeth Taylor." And this this security guard just looking at at whoever and being like, "Yeah, all right, that's legit. That sounds yeah. That, okay, cool. Um, it's a name. Yeah. So if." If you were like proven to cause trouble or whatever, they they kick you out. But for the most point, and for the most part, as long as the guards kind of knew who you were, then uh, all was well. All was well, yeah. It was all Stonewell. Wow! I c- <laughs> Thank you for your puns. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I don't know why I said you're welcome. Um, so other sources, Nita. Thank you for asking. Um, uh, give like a, a slightly different account of history so they record stonewall as being like a private bottle bar which functioned um similar yeah they function similar to a club um so to maintain like this image of exclusivity um but the patrons had to provide their own drinks um it really again it's kind of like not quite sure which one to go with i think it was the first one yeah i think the whole thing with the vouchers was yes oh it did yeah the genovese family yeah um yeah, so Stonewall was protected by um, the Genovese family um, at the time uh, and they bribed the 6th police precinct in New York to kind of ignore everything that happened. Uh, and they also had um, a couple of people in the police force who would let them know when raids were happening so they could tell everyone um, in the bar to leave Um and then, like, everyone would leave and come back or they'd be like, oh, there's going to be a raid on tonight. Maybe, like, avoid the place tonight. Uh, avoid it tonight. Um, Stay home. Have a cuppa. Yeah. Um, so that's Stonewall the Inn. That is Stonewall the Inn. Okay. Now let's talk about, like, if you ever research, if you are planning to do some research into um, Stonewall, uh, here are some big names that are going to come up. There's three big names that I think – we need to talk about. Who um, are these big names, Talia? The first one is Marsha P. Johnson. The P stands for pay it no mind. Okay. Right, um, she was born in 1945 in New Jersey. Uh, she was a sp- outspoken uh, activist. Uh, she was an African-American trans rights and gay rights activist as well as an AIDS activist. Um, and she worked as a sex worker and a drag queen um, nowadays she is referred to as a drag woman 
No, not a drag woman, a trans woman, sorry. Um, There is um, a documentary on Netflix called um, The Life and Death of Martha Marsha P. Johnson, um, which I have been told is very good. I have not seen it. Um, I have not seen it either. I uh, have not had the, the time to see it, but apparently it is very good. Um, and uh, also uh, not to do not to kind of plug content that is now, I'm definitely going to do that. Um, there is a really good podcast called Making Gay History who um, actually, so the point of it is um, the guy who runs it goes rounds and talks to people um, who are kind of like big prevalent figures. And he talks to Marsha P. Johnson um, during one of his episodes. And it's just the way she talks about things, because she's gone through so much. Um, the way she kind of talks about things and she's like constantly upbeat and she's constantly like, yeah, like this is this is how it is. This is how it be. Like things are terrible, but also we can get through it. Like she's just, she strikes me as just a very wonderful soul to be around. Um, so yes, that's kind of the big the big name. Yes, Martha P. Johnson. Martha P. Johnson. And then uh, the next one is Sylvia Riviera. So she is also a trans. She was also a trans and gay rights activist. She was also a drag queen. All right then. Um, so also trans. Um, her. Parents were of Venezuelan and Puerto Rican descent, and she was born in New York in 1951. So by today's standards, she'd also be referred to as a, tra- a trans woman. Yes, all yes. right then. Um, and the last one is uh, Stormy Delavier, who w- most people would call the Stonewall lesbian, and we'll get into kind of the Stonewall lesbian a little bit later. Um, she was a biracial butch lesbian and a drag king. She toured with the Jewel Box Review, um, as a drag cabaret performer. Um, and after Stonewall, she went on to, um, she stopped doing drag after Stonewall and she became a security guard at local lesbian bars. So, um, a lot of the sources kind of refer to her as like this, this mother of the lesbians almost. Um, which is a really nice image. It is a it is an interesting one. Yeah. I will admit. Um, and she does. She also has a documentary about her called um, Stormy, the Lady of the Jewelry Box. All righty then. Okay, and the last one uh, that I want to mention. He's not really like a big a big name per se, but I really like his art. So, so I think uh, we're we're gonna just mention this. We're one. just we're just gonna mention it. Shout out to the artist. Um, Thomas Lanig- Lanig- Lanigan, I believe. Thomas Lanigan Schmidt, called uh, Mother Stonewall and the Golden Rats. Um, and I would like to read you a little bit. Oh, I think like I, I do think people should read it. Um, it's just a little short story. It's like a a, a page long. Um, do read me an excerpt. So easy to find. Um. The jukebox played a lot of Motown music. We danced. The air conditioners seemed not to work at all because the place was so crowded. We were happy. This place was the art that gave form to the feelings of our heartbeats. Here, the consciousness of knowing you belonged nestled into that warm feeling of finally being home. And home engenders love and loyalty quite naturally. So we loved Stonewall. That's very, uh, that's very nice. Yeah. I, I'm like that a lot. It's good on him. It's a, be- it's a beautiful piece. Um, he didn't, he was part of the riots. Um, and a lot of his art, like he does a lot of work with, with drag and stuff like that. Um, 
Okay. He, I like his art. He's not very well known though, and I think it's, I think it's because his art is queer and political that he's not very well known. But you know, if someone wants to go out and look at artists instead of looking at you know Damien Hirst, look at Thomas Lanigan Schmidt, or wait until he dies and becomes famous like every other artist. Yeah, that's that's also that. Um, how are we going for time? We will need to cut stuff from this. Oh, good. Okay, excellent. I was worried for a second. We might need to cut some of the longer pauses. Yeah, we are. We are. Yeah, good. Awesome. Cool. Um, so, what actually happened on the night of... Yes, Talia, what did actually happen? I don't know why you're looking at me like I know the answer here. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Nita's looking at me like... Talia, I don't know what, what you want from me. I don't. I, I don't. Um, I mean, I do, but I also like to just... Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay, so Stonewall happened... Like, the, the first night of the Stonewall riots happened on... What is the first night of the Stonewall riots, Talia? It was Saturday, June 28th, 1969. The ri- What constitutes the Stonewall riots went on for five days after this point. Um, this is... Uh, it's Marsha P. Johnson's birthday. All right then. Um, it's it's a Saturday. That's just it's a good night to go out. It's a good night to go out. Um, yeah. So what I have tried to do because there are multiple versions of this story, what I have tried to do is compile all of them. I'll give you all of the versions of what I think happened, but there's one narrative that kind of comes through really strongly. So no matter what happened, there's always going to be those narrative threads. And usually if you can pick up on those narrative threads, that's usually what happened. Yeah. So I will, I will try and address all of like the loose ends and stuff like that um, as they kind of come up. Um, But we will, we will see how this, how this kind of works. Um, This is primary sources, people. Yeah. Primary sources. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of this is because again, like like I said in the last episode, um, queer history isn't well documented. So a lot of our like collective understanding comes from oral histories, which can be conflicting and can be contradictory. Um, yeah, and then you have like different primary sources saying different things, and then also like the myth of Marsha P. Johnson as well that we've kind of built up. Um, so also while I'm going to flag it here. Um, there is a movie called – we will talk about it later, um, but there is a movie um, called Stonewall that came out in 2015. Yes. That's definitely not an accurate representation of what happened in no way, shape, or form. Gotcha. Yeah, cool. Um, just so we're clear on that one. Yes, just so we're clear on that one. Um, so, so let's talk common narrative threads of Stonewall. Okay, so at 1.30 a.m., a routine raid uh, – was led uh, on Stonewall by a guy by uh, de- Deputy Inspector Pine and Detective Smythe. Stonewall had not be been pre warned about this raid. Um, they came armed with a warrant uh, and they raided Stonewall under the guise of uh, searching the establishment for uh, selling liquor without a license. All right then. Okay. Um, it was most li- likely. It was most likely a targeted raid. Um, there, I, would I think, in the so. past two days, um, the police commissioner has actually released a statement saying that it was a bigoted act um, that exercised police control. Um, so yeah, it was much more likely that it was 
a targeted thing and they were just dressing it up as, um, yeah, we're, we're just we're just raiding you because you're selling liquor without a license. Um, we all know the truth. Yeah. Um, by the end of the riots, um, 13 oh, – at the end of the night, by the end of the night – 13 people um, had been arrested. Uh, that's patrons and employees. Okay. So um, also uh, at this at this time, I said that we would get to it um, in the last episode and now we're getting to it. Um, at this time, there was a state criminal stature that allowed for the arrest of anyone uh, who wasn't wearing at least three articles of gender-appropriate clothing. So anyone who was a suspected cross-dresser um, was taken into the bathroom and they were searched or frisked. So either you were taken into the back and basically told to strip down um, or you were frisked and the police kind of just put their hands all over you. to Checked double. out your junk. Yeah. Um, so Both are sh- both suck. Yeah, both, both kind of suck. Um, so here's where we get to the drunk histories thing. Oh, so, I see then. Uh, so... Uh, drunk histories. I'm sure everyone knows about drunk histories, but it's basically a show where you get like people get really drunk and then they tell versions of history that they're interested in or that they know of, and they tell really odd stories from all around the place. Um, so the story that is told um, in drunk histories is that Marsha P. Johnson, like a police officer, walked up to her and said, "Hey, we're going to frisk you. Um, we think that you're in breach of this particular clause of this particular act." Um, and she grabbed a shot glass and she went, I've got my civil rights. And she threw it at the mirror and went, let's start a riot. Um, yeah, that's the version that Drunk Histories gives us. And it's kind of, it's the version that a lot of people accept. Um, Marsha P. Johnson herself, um, from the research I have been able to find, um, has actually openly come out and said, look, I was part of the riots. I definitely threw a brick or two. I didn't throw the first brick. All righty then. Um, So we have, yeah, we have a lot of people who kind of have developed. I'm not quite sure how it came about, but we have have somehow ended up with this myth of Marsha P. Johnson started the Stonewall riots. Um, Yeah. Talia, who did start the Stonewall riots? I'm going to cut that question because I really want you to read a quote. Would you like to read it? I will read a quote. Um, Can you? Um, The Sylvia Riviera all righty then. Okay, so uh, this, this is one here? yes. All righty. Um, so Sylvia Riviera um, talks about what would normally happen um, during a raid. Okay, <clears throat> here is a quote mm-hmm. from Sylvia Riviera. Back to the story. We were all in the bar having a good time. Lights flashed on. We knew what was coming. It's a raid. This is the second time in one week that the bar was raided. Common practice says the police from the 6th precinct would come in, would come into each gay bar and collect their payoff. Routine was faggots over here, dykes over here, and freaks over there, referring to my side of the community. If you did not have three pieces of male attire on you, you were going to jail, just like a butch dyke would have to have three pieces of female clothing or he was going to jail. The night goes on, you know, they proof you for ID, you know, back then you could get away with anything. Fake IDs were great back then because I wasn't even 18 yet. I was going to turn 18. We are led out of the bar. The routine was that the cops get their payoff, they confiscate the liquor. If you were a bartender, you would snatch the money as soon as the light went on because you would never see that money again. A padlock would go on the door. What we did, back then, was disappear to a coffee shop or any place in the neighbourhood for 15 minutes. You come back, the mafia was there cutting the padlock off, bringing in more liquor, and back to business as usual. Thank you. Um, 
so unfortunately this wasn't uh, business as usual. So um, the – sorry, I always get them mixed. How do I get them mixed? Stormy Delavier. Uh, so a police officer walked up to Stormy Delavier and said, "I'm like, you know, you're a butch lesbian. Um, I'm going to frisk you. Um, and they dragged a whole bunch of these patrons um, and employees outside. Um, and instead of running away, there was actually quite a crowd outside of the Stonewall riots. Um, and Stormy Delavier resisted arrest. All right, see that. Um, and she was clubbed over the head um, outside of the bar. So Stormy Delavier herself says, uh, like she confirms that she is what everyone refers to as the Stonewall lesbian. The officer then yelled, I said, move along, faggot. I think he thought I was a boy. When I refused, he raised his nightstick and clubbed me in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like she's 100% the Stonewall lesbian. Like she has confirmed that. Yeah, there you go. Um, from there, because this wasn't business as usual, um, outside of Christmas, Christopher street, um, there was a crowd that had gathered and they were watching Delavier be beaten. So it was like, her beating was so bad. She ended up with 14 stitches along her chin. Ouch. Um, and as she was being beaten, she screamed, why don't you guys do something? And then all of a sudden people started attacking the police, um, with literally whatever they could find. Um, like there is records of them throwing lighters, um, them throwing, uh, like it's, it didn't start off with bricks, but it ended up with bricks. It graduated. It graduated to bricks. If that, if that is, uh, a, I think that can be considered a graduation. It is an evolution. It is an evolution to bricks. They reached a specific, uh, level of experience. Yeah. Um, Oh, um, I think it's I think it's just also a really interesting thing to know that like for a long time after the Stonewall riots, um, nobody really knew who the Stonewall lesbian was. Everyone was just like, yeah, there was a butch lesbian like she. Uh, um, and then when Stormy Delavier, she when she gave an interview and she said, oh, yeah, no, also that was me. Um, everyone kind of came to her and went, OK, um, why didn't you say anything? And her response was. It was nobody's business. That's that's a power move. Yeah, like I really kind of like that attitude of just like, I mean, yeah, like. Started a riot, no yeah, big deal. I, I started a riot, like, all right, yeah. But it, it's also like, it's not, who cares? Like anyone can start a riot, go off. Um, how to start a, how is the best way to start a riot or a fight? What is the best thing you say? You guys want to start a fight? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, there we go. That is considered the, the first, the first, the first punch. Yeah, I think like when you talk about Stonewall, there is a lot of there's a focus on firsts. You know, like the first shot glass or the first brick or the first Molotov or like any sort of things like that. But I think the the best version that we've got is that Stormy Delavier was um, uh, forced out of a bar. She was beaten half to death, fourteen stitches, um, and she was like, "We need to riot and." Then they did. And uh, And that that is the beginning. That is the beginning. So we are 1.30 in the morning. Yep. And a riot has broken out. Okay. Next week we will talk about what happened. We shall talk about the riot. So this is a cliffhanger. This is a cliffhanger. Um, We wrote this so incredibly well. What a wonderful cliffhanger. Um, Thank you, History, for giving us this cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, 
for everyone out there in podcast listening land, I'm so glad. I hope you're you're learning something. I'm definitely learning, Talia. Thank you, Nita. Um, uh, if yeah. nothing else, you've educated me. Thank you, Nita. I feel so blessed and wonderful and happy to know you. Um, yeah, everyone out there in podcast listening land, uh, please remember to drink water, uh, eat food, even if it's just a little bit, uh, and take your meds. And if a police is beating you over the head, uh, punch them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just Maybe don't do that one. Like, you know, just, just be careful. If, be if, careful. If someone is attacking you, I think the best advice that I can probably give is be specific to, like, if you see other people, be specific and scream out, like, I need you to do this thing for me because people don't like getting involved with things. So you need to actually make like make them feel like they... Bystanders in Yeah, them. they need to be involved in the thing. Um, yes, uh, take care of yourselves. Please try and get enough sleep tonight. Um, and we will see you all next week. Take Ta. care of yourselves. Bye. <laughs>